Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Joe Patrick, he'll be covering that game for 92.9 The Game. Joe's kind enough to uh, give us a few minutes here as we hang out for just a bit on the uh, WadeFord.com hotline. Wade Ford, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Joe, any surprises going back to last week for just a minute? Any surprises for you on the 53-man roster announcements last week? I don't think there were any massive surprises, Chris. I think one of the reasons for that is because of what Arthur Smith has been saying for this entire training camp, which was that this was always going to be a difficult roster to make. The reason being, they signed a lot of free agents who they obviously owe money to, who they expect to be producers for this team. And so there is, aren't naturally the amount of spots that there have been the last couple of years for guys to really fight their ways onto the roster. I think one of the guys that, that we all thought did fight his way out of the roster and didn't make it is DeMarco Hellams, but he's not taking the spot of anybody that we, we thought would be on this team in a substantial way. Obviously, Micah Abernathy, kind of the last cut there. I think if you were to point any one surprise out, it would probably be the fact that the team left Parker Hesse off the 53-man roster, considering he was he had one of the highest snap percentages of any Falcons offensive player outside of the offensive line and quarterback position last year. But then when you think about it, they got him back on the practice squad, and he could very well be elevated, depending on what happens with the roster management this week, uh, into this game this week. So I think that they, it was just a way for them to basically keep John Fitzpatrick. So outside of some of those mechanisms, not a ton of surprises, and maybe one of the other ones that people might not be uh, so aware of is, is Logan Woodside, the, the third-string quarterback who the team will be able to roster on game days despite not being on the active roster as long as he made that 53-man. I think that he proved Arthur Smith and the coaching staff over the course of training camp that he was just too valuable to expose to waivers. So there were some surprises, but overall I think this is mainly the group we were expecting to see and uh, perform against the Carolina Panthers this coming Sunday. Have we seen enough of Desmond Ritter in the preseason? Well, fa- fans haven't. <laughs> you know, I haven't. I, as a football fan, wanted to see Desmond Ritter more. We all want to see Desmond Ritter more. But I think the reason why we want to see him more is because we all love football and we just want to see high-quality football as much as we can. And the pri- and this is where it gets interesting because the, the priorities of the fans and coaches, especially during the training camp portion of the season, are wildly divergent, where the coaching staff gets every, you know, camera angle of every play that happens in practice. So they're seeing a very dissected view of Desmond Ritter and obviously analyzing and trying to work and improve his game where us fans and, you know, even media 
we see a lot less of him. Obviously, for me, you know, I see him out of practice. I'm fortunate to be able to do that. But for fans, you really only see him in that one drive against the Bengals in preseason. And it was a good drive for him. I mean, the team moved the ball over 100 yards because they had some penalties there. Uh, but I think everybody would probably be a little bit, if anything, like more psychologically comfortable going into this game if they had maybe seen another drive of him uh, in the following game against the Steelers, especially considering the way that game went. But I think that this coaching staff is very comfortable with him. Arthur Smith said it, that if he did actually have question marks about whether Desmond Ritter was going to be able to, you know, execute any part of his offense, then he would have put him out there for that Steelers game. I just think that the the, the Falcons staff is very, very confident in Desmond Ritter, and that's why they're treating him like the, the top, you know, kind of top dog quarterback that they expect him to be this season. Joe Patrick of uh, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, he's hanging out with us here on this uh, Labor Day as we talk a little bit about the Falcons. Season opener coming up Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Kickoff set for one at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and of course you can hear it here, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. seems like coaches in the NFL now, Joe, since we've gone to this three preseason game schedule, everybody kind of has their own way of of doing it uh you know some coaches mike tomlin for instance still uses that third preseason game as kind of the dress rehearsal where your starters are going to play um a lot uh other coaches arthur smith being one where it feels like the starters rarely play at all um and i think his first uh, preseason i don't think the starters did play that year yeah yeah. Should they have played more throughout this preseason? Oh, you know, it, it, this is where it's so uh, easy to be critical, but it's hard to do it in a way that it actually has any substance behind it. And so for me, I kind of take the the route of the fact that the, the, the coaches are getting a much better look at these guys and what they need um, out of them in the opportunities they have to dissect the, the practice tape and, and go through all these reps that these guys go through. It's not like Desmond Ritter just had three reps or, or you know, one series of reps throughout, tra- throughout training camp. He had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reps that this team has broken down uh, and going up against a, a pretty good defense. You know, when, when he's taking reps, it's, it's good to be good typically uh, for the Falcons. So it's not like he's going up against some shoddy defense either with what the, you know, we expect the Falcons defense to be with all the improvements that they've made. So I, I totally understand the argument. And like I said earlier, selfishly, I would have liked to see Desmond Ritter and all the starters play more. But I think that uh, part of that also is that just because of what they did show on that one drive was, was so tantalizing, just in the, you know, just the diverse array of playmakers that they have that they can get the ball to. You just want to see more of that. And so that's why I, I would have liked to see more of the starters. But again, I, I kind of just trust the coaches that, if there was more that they wanted to see, then, then they would have given them that opportunity. And then there's the other part of this, which is that maybe they would have wanted to play some of these guys a little bit more, but they did have some just kind of, you know, knocks and injuries that they wanted to make sure they weren't taking any risks with with some of their top players. Drew Dahlman and Chris Lindstrom both missed practices in the lead-up to that Steelers game. And then so if they can't play in that game, do you put Desmond Ritter behind, you know, backup offensive linemen? You probably don't want to do that because of what we saw from the backup offensive linemen in that game. So that's where you can get into this cycle of, you know, could he, could they, would they, you know, should they have? 
I don't know exactly. Again, I, I kind of like the quote that Mike Tomlin gave about his perspective on it, which was that you, know, you can't go into a boxing match without sparring some, which is obviously kind of a reference to, you know, the, the starters actually getting out there and, and going full tilt in preseason. But um, you just got to hope that the Falcons will, will be prepared. And I think at this point, we've heard so much about Arthur Smith talking about how physical of a camp it's been. You know, that takes a toll on your body in, in the form of like you just kind of degrade. And so I think that they've been trying to get these guys as healthy as possible so that physically they're in the best shape possible going into the overall arching season, the long season. But obviously that starts in game one in Mercedes-Benz Stadium against the Panthers. Joe Patrick, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. We talk about the Falcons season opener coming up Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Joe, is there a position when you look at the 53 and you look at this practice squad, and obviously the practice squad still continues to be in a little bit of a state of flux maybe, but is there a position of concern for you heading into this season? You know, honestly, I, I don't think there's a position of concern as it relates to the, 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 the starters that this team has. But, again, to kind of go back to that Steelers game and reference that backup offensive line, I think it's very, it would be very concerning if you were to lose really anybody on the offensive line for a substantial amount of time, but especially either one of the tackles. And we got to just knock on wood and hope that, Jake Matthews is able to continue his unbelievably consistent career in terms of being able to play. But, you know, the team, when you talk about this practice squad being in flux, that's, you know, th- th- that, that swing tackle, that backup tackle is a, is a big part of that where the team signed Josh Miles to the 53-man roster, then waived him. They signed Isaiah Prince, who's coming from Cincinnati, uh, also played in Denver. Uh, a guy who was, you know, went to a Super Bowl with the, with the Bengals, but was part of that offensive line that was notably notably one of the most porous offensive lines that ever made it to a Super Bowl. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to fit in. But it, 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 you know, I think first of all, it's not even so much about the pass protection; it's about can those tackles, you know, run block and do the things that Arthur Smith is going to want to make a priority of his offense. But I think if there's one thing about this team overall that I am concerned about, it's just. In general, the depth, and they've got, you know, they with all these signings that they made, there was plenty of one-year deals when you look at um, Calais Campbells and Bud Dupree's, and so you just got to hope that there is the depth. Now, I think at the defensive line, there is a lot more depth, but again, in some positions, there's just not as much. I think at the wide receiver position, too, uh, it gets a little dicey after you get past your first few pass catchers. So um, I, I think that that's my biggest concern, but I don't think that there are a ton of concerns for a lot of the starters really outside, obviously, the, the biggest talking point is Desmond Ritter. But honestly, I have a much higher um, opinion of, of Desmond Ritter than I think a lot of the national media has. And I think a lot of just local fans understand what Desmond Ritter brings to the offense as well. And I think a lot of fans maybe not may not be as concerned about Desmond Ritter as a lot of you know, national talking points would lead you to. How do you think the touches in the backfield get split up? Now that B. John Robinson is here, you lump him in with, you know, uh, Tyler Algier and a healthy Cordero Patterson. Uh, how do they, how does it get uh, divvied up back there? Yeah, I'm sure that, you know, game by game, the game plan will, will play a part into this. But overall, I, I would say this. I would say that, you know, Bijan is still going to be this team's, their, their big, you know, workhorse running back. I do think that Tyler Algier will be used strategically both in the beginning of games and at the end of games because he is that power runner who can kind of, um, you know, uh, kind of 
get that initial twist of the cap of the jar, you know, that's stuck. He can kind of jar it loose at the beginning of the game and maybe loosen up some things for Bijan. And then I think at the ends of games, you can bring in Tyler Algier to really kind of pound a defense that, you know, maybe kind of losing some of their morale towards the end, especially if Atlanta is trying to ice away a game. So I think that that's how he'll, he might be used in-game. But overall, I think that the majority of carries are going to go to those two players. And again, you've got to expect that there's going to be some injuries at some point at the running back position. It's just the nature of it. So I would expect Cordero Patterson and even Godwin Iguabuke, who's back on the practice squad after a good training camp, I think that both those guys will get carries over the course of the season. But especially with, with regards to Cordero Patterson, I see him much more of him being a wide receiver first this year and then reverting to the running back position more when he's needed because of whether it's injuries or, or, or whatever the issues uh, might arise for the Falcons. But I think he'll be more of a, a kind of a, a, a safety plug, so to speak, than uh, somebody who is like last year kind of coming in to be one of your premier running backs. Now, I know we didn't, we didn't expect him to be that because they had drafted Bijan, but I just think that you'll see Cordero Patterson use a lot more split out wide and going out and running routes than he has uh, in the past couple of years. And I think that overall it sets up for a very dynamic offense where you can use any number of these guys. Even Bijan, I would expect him to line up in the slot quite a bit. And I would expect some of these running backs to be on the field at the same time, which makes Arthur Smith's offense so dangerous. Joe, I, I feel better about this defense. I, I kind of am a little surprised at how optimistic I feel about this group based off of what we have seen uh, in the preseason. Give me your thoughts as a guy that's that's around the team almost daily at least and, and uh, your thoughts on how good you think that defense can be. Well, it's such a different defense than what we've seen the last couple of years, Chris. I mean, first of all, the thing that strikes you is just how physically impressive these guys are. They are big. That, that defensive line – is just full of big dudes. It is, it is Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, Calais Campbell, Bud Dupree. You got Lorenzo Carter mixed in there. Like you just got big physical front. Zach Harrison, the the rookie defensive end out of Ohio State, has made a real big splash in training camp, and he looks like he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. But it's very much, you know, as you would expect, kind of modeled after what the over what the Saints have done uh, over these years with that kind of big powerful defensive line. And I think that one of the ramifications of that is it gives Atlanta's linebacking core, which we know is very athletic with Caden Ellis and then obviously with Troy Anderson, the guy who is one of the most athletic uh, linebackers to come out of the draft in decades, uh, for them to get really run around and make plays. And you just hope that that defensive line can keep the, the blockers off of those two and they can you know really exploit their natural talents. And then at the secondary, I think, is some of the biggest improvements. When you bring in a guy like Jesse Bates, not only does he raise the overall just ability level of what your secondary can do but he's also such a leader he's been to the Super Bowl he's been played in the biggest games and at that position at safety he brings a really you know important leadership quality and communication quality where he can help out these guys and not just um, where where he plays in his own coverage but he can help align guys and identify things pre-snap that's going to help the entire defense elevate themselves as a whole so I'm really excited about what this defense can do, and they're going to play a lot more aggressively. You know, last year, they just didn't have the talent, so they played more bend-but-don't-break style, and I think that this is going to be a much more attractive defense to watch because they're going to be more aggressive in your face and probably creating a lot more turnovers and making a lot more plays than they've been able to do the last couple of years. Joe, appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Sunday. Likewise. Likewise. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.